As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. Good day, everybody. Oh. Oh, wow. Finally, 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 the Thought introduction we deserve. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. <laughs> I know. Hopefully you're listening That's to this magical. in the morning. And there's, yeah, there's, there's fairies severals and severals of listeners who have mm-hmm. took it upon themselves yeah. to purchase affordable harps to play as the podcast <laughs> begins yeah. because they yeah. knew it was missing. Super grateful. Yeah. If you'd like to support Gravity, um, you can, and you know how to play the harp. Okay. I thought it would just surprise you with uh, with fantastical fantasy so harps. So we're talking about this. Are, are we sure that that Let listener the heard the harp as well? It wasn't just for us. <laughs> pretty, well, I'm pretty sure. Again, if you guys again. heard it, I think it was recorded. So one more time, <laughs> one more time. <laughs> uh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Let the dream sequence begin. All right. Well, I mean, this is this isn't really about a dream. We were talking before we hit play. Uh, about the many uh, pathologies of my car, but also, uh, Christy, you were yes. relaying uh, an anecdote from the drive to church yesterday. Yeah, you guys, I mean, this is kind of a confession, but also a real question. I was frustrated at one of my kids yesterday on the way to church. My husband's out of town, and I, let's just say I wasn't like the A-plus mom that I'd love to be in that moment. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, like, I know I need to, like, fix this with my kid and have a conversation and, like, deal with all the junk inside my own heart. But I also am about to, like, teach and speak. And I don't – it's like if I was a dentist and I got into, like, a frustrating moment with my kid and then went and had to clean somebody's teeth, I'm not sure that that really impacts your job. But, like, as a pastor, I'm like, oh, I want to be a person of integrity and I don't want to, like – 
walk up on stage and, you know, I don't know. So like I, yeah. anyway, I'm just curious, like, how does that work for you guys? Like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I think one thing I'd want to affirm, Christy, is that you have a sense that your job is not like, like you have enough sense about your work as a, even just that work of, you know, like the work of a pastor is more than just speaking publicly, mm-hmm. like preaching. But even that work, you have this understanding that it's something different than cleaning teeth in the sense that it has to be heart connected. There has to be yeah. some level of connection that you're, right, that you're seeking. Yeah. This isn't a performance. You know, it, it might not even be this, the same thing as like going out if I have a, you know, like I'm a actor on Broadway and yeah. I get into a fight and I can just go into a role and do a performance. Like preaching isn't a performance. Right. Right. So anyway, I just want to affirm that, that that conundrum comes from that conundrum comes from a place of integrity, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I've been there many times. Yeah. So yeah. what what did you do? Maybe, you know, what did you do yesterday? Yeah, it was quiet after that moment. <laughs> like nobody said anything. And like I turned on a song because I was like, uh, like sometimes I just need to hear something to like, this Re- is my prayer. Reset. Like I'm not yeah. sure that like I could actually say this out loud, but like I'm going to use these words of, a worship song to be my prayer. Anyway, we got to church and I started crying in the car. The kids were all like, oh, shoot, here's mom, you know. Anyway, um, I said to them, like, I'm really sorry. Um, Mommy's got some things to work through and um, by myself, but also, you know, with this one child. And I'm sorry that I responded that way. I think we're going to have to have a conversation um, later, but I love you. And um yeah, just need some grace right now. So, like, I addressed it, but it wasn't all tied up in a pretty bow, you know, mm-hmm. by the time I walked in. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, like, a kairos for me of, like, uh, man, we live in – it's messy. And, like, thankfully, Jesus walks with us and is present and active in our mess on the way to church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, that's how I handled it. And – still actually have to circle back around today. Like didn't get there a hundred percent yesterday. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know what I think typically happens here, Christy, um, is that I think a lot of the, okay. So for instance, there, there is some alternative universe where somebody very much like you with somebody very much like your children having very much the same, uh, you know, B minus mommy moment in the car with them gets up in the pulpit and preaches about how parents are failing. Maybe biblical womanhood, (laughs) maybe 10 ways to maybe, maybe what's wrong with our kids today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's some, there's some habit in the church to take all that shame and guilt you felt and blow it through our congregations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So then, so then I ramp up the pressure on parents, and I blame the kids mm-hmm. as a, as a result of our own inadequacies and failures as parents. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's easy. I think that's like that's like we don't even have to try for that to happen. That's just what shame and guilt do to us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, unless we face it and own it which is what I hear you did. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's like, it, I think it's a beautiful story, uh, Christy, because <laughs> I think you, 
I mean, you, you started out telling the story asking like, what should I do? And I was like, well, that, <laughs> that sounds like what you should do. Like, I think you did. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. That's like, that's it. Yeah. It's just sort of own it in the moment. And like, and then you, and then you just, and then you've got like a clean heart to be able to preach from, um, because you're, you're not, you know, like Matt was saying, you're not like projecting, but you're also not pretending. You're not pretending. Okay. I just like, I got to pump myself up here. And you know what I mean? Like, no, what you did was you got connected to your heart, which was grieving over your, you know, the, this relationship and, and your behavior and you got connected with it and you, you know, you began to address it. I think, um, I think that's what, I don't know. May, may your tribe increase Christy. Let's get more pastors like you out there. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, uh, I love being a pastor. And these are the moments that I'm like, and sometimes it's really hard, uh, be really much easier to, to have a different job sometimes. So, well, I, I I think one of the things like you're narrating something that has happened for me over the course of my whole ministry is because, because I have that sense of, I can't just ignore this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a pastor, like I can't. Like I, I just, I, I had this sense that like there is, there be dragons. Like I, mm-hmm. like I can't go down that road of yeah. just ignoring like what's going on in my heart and just pretending that everything's yeah. fine. And so I think, um, I think there's a grace in that for us as, as Christian leaders. And I've, I've probably made this joke to you guys uh, uh, before as well, but it almost makes me think that vocational Christian leadership is God's remedial program for people who can't figure out how to be Christians the normal way. <laughs> and so, you know, mm. like we need a little extra, like, man, like, like I can't, you know, yeah. I got, I got to apologize to my kids right now. Cause I got to go preach. Yeah. Well, um, and, and honestly, like just last thought is that mm-hmm. if I was a dentist, <laughs> I say that it wouldn't be a big deal, uh-huh. but the reality is it would eat me inside. Sure. I would be yeah. cleaning people's yeah. teeth and it would be eating me alive. Yeah, and yeah. so like I don't, yes. I just don't like that, and I don't. Oh, anyway, I love yeah. my kids, and I hate failing, and you know all of that junk. Yeah. It's just like good grief. Yeah, so. yeah, I think yeah, I that, that that turmoil too gets at a little bit, Christy. That there is there is a sense in which if we're going to get up and proclaim the word of God, and we're going to carry some kind of authority or responsibility on behalf of God for God's people, there's there's some modicum of integrity of congruency, of alignment with the kingdom that we want our lives to bear, right? We don't want to say one thing and do another. We don't want to be hypocrites. But I I do think there's a way of proclaiming good news where we include ourselves in the audience. Yes. And and where we aren't, um, you know, embarrassing our kids or or maybe like being pornographic with vulnerability. So for instance, I've had, uh, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to err, as uh, as the Brits say, on uh, when it comes to vulnerability, it's not going to be withholding it. It's going to be like being pornographic with it, yeah. meaning sharing too much, being yep. too open, um, transgressing boundaries, um, even betraying confidences sometimes, and not taking other people right. So my temptation in, in your moment is to share about that in a way that doesn't honor my children, right. And in a way that doesn't, <clears throat> uh, that, that goes beyond the grace God's given me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe puts yes. the focus on me rather than on, yeah. on God. Yeah, I'm similar in that way. Yeah. And I think, 
I think it comes from a good place. Like I don't want to hide. I don't want to pose. I don't want to pretend. But I also think too that I often, I often don't intuit how that centers me at the expense of other people. That's right. Oof, you're preaching here now. Come well, on. So, so I'm then, at church. <clears throat> so then what I, so then what I think I, I think, I think what I, what I want to say for all of us as maybe uh, validation, permission, invitation is there's, there's a way of not pretending like that didn't happen or kind of oversharing in a really, um, you know, vulnerable hangover kind of way. Yeah. But but yeah. to preach to ourselves as well, and name and name how we are repenting, and then do it, mm-hmm. do it, yeah, you know, do it. And I, and I think that 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 brings a kind of um, there's a proof in that there's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. It does so much so much good work. I think if we can learn how to do that, just because it 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 totally undercuts. Because another thing that's behind sometimes the pressure we feel to like never screw up mm-hmm. is is this idea that a Christian leader or a pastor is an expert in morality or an expert in, I don't know, spiritual living or something like that. When in fact, you know, most of us aren't. <laughs> um, right. But, and, and actually, ironically, one of the best things we can do for people that we lead is demonstrate how, what repentance looks like. Mm-hmm. And we can only do that as a repenting person. We can't do it as, with stories about how I repented some other time or used to repent. Um, we have to do it with like actual actions say like, this is what it looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, there's a way of doing that. Like, you know, there's a way of doing that that isn't uh, like emotional pornography. Um, yeah. But there is a way of doing that that is just, direct, filled with integrity. Um, and I think it's just good, good, humble leadership. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it actually relates to, to the book we're talking about today and our guest, yeah. Kevin Sweeney. It's Kevin Sweeney, the art um, of letting go. The art of letting go. Right. Uh, which mm-hmm. I think sometimes is code or synonymous with bypassing, right? Meaning, um, the way that would work, Christy is, you know, I lose it on my kids on the way to church. And then I, basically force myself to pretend like it didn't happen. Right. Right. Let go. Just let it go. <laughs> and I think that's that is not what Kevin's talking about. This no. and, and there's a lot no. of confusion about I mean it, it has even become like a like a joke of like let go and let God as mm-hmm. though as though it's so easy, right? Or right. <clears throat> that's the one solution. But I think Kevin um in his writing and in this interview helps us understand how to live life with open-handed, consented release, rather than like a constricting, controlling, I'm going to pretend like I've let go. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I I just realized the the book is called The Joy of Letting Go. So anyway, if you're looking it up, there's a link in the show notes, but it's called The Joy, not The Art of Letting Go, The Joy of Letting Go. Yes. Um, So, well, anything else we need to say? Before we get into this, y'all? You know, I'll just share this one thing. We are traveling again, Ben, you and I. We pack mm-hmm. up our little suitcases, get in our little rental car, mm-hmm. and we're driving places. <laughs> it's true. You know? Yeah. Just two yeah. guys on the road. Where are you going? Selling selling uh, encyclopedias. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> And knives. We are going to Northern Indiana at the end of the month here in January to yes, lead a workshop uh, on our book. Um, mm-hmm. 
having the mind of Christ. Yay. Yes. Yeah, we're so excited. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going somewhere too. Where are you going? Christine? The same weekend. Oh my but gosh. I'm not incredible. But and I am mentioning your book and I'm bringing your book and I'm showing all my friends your book. Oh, okay. But it's a parenting retreat in Wenatchee, Washington. Wenatchee. Which is like two hours away from Spokane. Kind of anyway, if you happen to be around. Sounds like, sounds Wenatchee, like Canada to me. <laughs> come see me. <laughs> awesome. If you yes. live in yes, all of our listeners from Wenatchee and uh, northwest Indiana. Chesterton. Uh, yeah. Chesterton, Indiana. Uh, come on and see us. Yeah, I, there is a link. You can anybody can come to this workshop, and so um, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, where you can register. Uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at podcast at gravityleadership dot com. And uh, yeah, I hope hope to see you there, or maybe want to see Christy and what, what was it called? Wenatchee. 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 All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Up. Oh my goodness. All right. All right, y'all. Here we go. Get in. Kevin Sweeney was co-founder, along with his wife, Christine, uh, and lead pastor of Imagine Church, uh, an urban church in Honolulu, for the last decade until the church closed recently. He's currently the co-host of the Church Needs Therapy podcast and is author uh, of the book we chatted about a few months ago, The Making of a Mystic, as well as the book Why It's Okay for Everyone to Relax, and his latest book that we're talking about today, The Joy of Letting Go. He lives in Honolulu with his wife and two kiddos. Kevin, welcome back to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate being with yeah. both of you. And, you know, I've said this to many people for the first book, even for the second book, you know, I don't take for granted the energy for people organizing this, you know, whoever I'm emailing with for these mm-hmm. podcasts or people bringing me on. So, man, really happy and grateful to be here with both of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a pleasure, man. I mean, I've, I've said before, part of the reason we do podcasting, and I, you, you can probably relate to this, Kevin, is we get to hang out with like people totally. we'd want to hang out with anyway. Mm-hmm. And it just gives us this uh, intentional, organized time to chat about meaningful stuff. So um, I think the last time we chatted with you, you were like weeks away from closing Imagine Church, and now it has closed. Uh, maybe give us a quick update, man. How hmm. was that? And how are you doing with that? Yeah, I know. I feel, I don't know if I was like on the cusp of it happening or it just happened. I don't remember because May 29th either, was our last, yeah. yeah, May 29th was our last Sunday. And then my book okay. actually came out two days later. But <laughs> wow, that, and my car got stolen. My wife and I share a car and it got Ooh. stolen the day after my book came out. So it was a very interesting five days. What a weird Good day. night. Yes. What a weird week. Um, yeah, that. It was, I actually, two day, two nights ago, so today we're recording, it's December 13th. Two mm-hmm. nights ago, I just took some moment to be present, you know, just in times of silence. I was near my Christmas tree. You would have seen me from a distance be like, he is worshiping his Christmas tree. He is a pagan. <laughs> we knew it, but I was actually just that's, enjoying it. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we always feared. Sitting in front of Slippery him. slope. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I, I was just sitting there saying... A year ago, right now, I was going into my last week of Imagine. Wow. Going in, because this time last year, literally this moment last year, I was going into the Christmas Sunday we were doing, saying to myself, 
this is the last Christmas sermon I'll ever preach and imagine after about a decade. And then saying, no, this is the last sermon I'll ever preach and imagine. Because even though we did a last five to six month journey, but that was just, we're present, we're eating and drinking. There was no more sort of liturgical, no more of that type of stuff. So that last October of thinking we were going to open back up and possibly rebuild to like coming to terms with the decision to announcing to doing the last few months, that six months was one of the most challenging and I would say it was the times I felt the most like emotionally fragile as an adult like I could just feel it Mm -hmm. I was like man that was the 10 years is a thing I know where I'm at making these decisions going through COVID and I could just feel Mm -hmm. it and I will say during a difficult time we were met with and closed down our church with so much grace and love from the people there was no drama. There was no people are mad at each other. No, we, it was just we announced it in January of this year. And when we did, everybody who was there stood up and gave us a standing ovation. Dude. When we announced we're closing the church. And it doesn't mean there weren't questions. It doesn't mean people didn't want clarity. That's fine. We made space for all of that. But letting go into the grace of the people of the church was such a special thing going into the last season. And yeah, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing. I have the second book coming out, which I'm excited for. And I'm actually like went through a long organizational part, going to start writing the third. And I'm just in that, like I'm talking about the joy of letting go in a season mm-hmm. of just letting go where I'm not in the next thing yet. So I'm talking about this book and I just did a big form of letting go and I'm yeah. moving through that liminal space of there's things happening and I, there's another thing ahead and I don't know what that is yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I just had lunch with a another pastor in our city uh, right before this interview, and she was talking about how one of the uh, difficulties in ministering in an affluent area is that most people aren't acquainted with suffering. So, for instance, Mm -hmm. a 70-year-old person who's losing their spouse is like mad at God and shocked, right? And this this pastor was saying, she was saying, uh, you know, did God promise you that you'd never die? No, she's not saying this to this person. She's like reflecting with me about how hard sure. how hard failure and loss can be, right? Yeah. And I, I do wonder, Kevin, like, um, I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk about the closing of their church in the way that you've talked about the closing of your church. There's like mm. this stigma that a church should never close, right? Mm. Anything that's mm. good should last forever. And mm. I do wonder, like, there's some gift that you have that maybe came through, I don't know, your, your wife or your community, uh, we could chalk it up to the Holy Spirit, that there's this sense <laughs> of like good things can, <laughs> good things can end, mm. and that doesn't make them less good. Can you talk a mm. bit about where that comes from? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. I think whether or not people are conscious of it, that dynamic you're describing of good things ending, they're not supposed to end, is beneath the surface of a lot of relationships we have, seasons of our life, projects we're involved in. So I do think that dynamic is very active, whether we're aware of it or not. And Mm. I think not, like I went to, you know, I've shared this before, I'm sure, like I went to Catholic school when I was little and stopped going to mass. So I was very indifferent towards church growing up. You know, I I think that shaped me in those unconscious ways, you know, the spirit and God and ideas of religion get in you without a doubt. But I, I didn't have like everything's church, 
I didn't have that experience. I didn't know anything about evangelicals or youth groups growing up. And one of the reasons why I say that is as I was going through, imagine we started it at 28, but along the way in my own forms of growth and change and transformation, I just had this great clarity of imagine is the primary vehicle through which the life of God is flowing through me to the world. Hmm. And that vehicle will change one day. And I had a sense from the beginning I would do this for about 10 years because Mm -hmm. I know a lot of that role of lead pastor, whatever people say, a lot of those strengths that are required to do that well are not strengths of mine, to be honest. So I'm like, this takes a lot of courage for me to do this. It takes a lot of risk. It takes a lot of me growing into my weaknesses. Um, And so I had that sense. And also I was not over-identified with the role, you know, Mm -hmm. like- I think that's a role pastoral freedom is our ability to love people and liberate them at the same time. You're your own person. I'm a pastor. I'm a guide. I can point you and I can even commit to go with you on the way, but I am not here to control you, force you, need you, coerce you, or manipulate you to make any decisions because my freedom says I can love you and still be okay and enjoy my kids and be present and, you know, and be in front of my Christmas tree without whether, whether... or not, you are making decisions that I believe will lead you towards life. Either way is okay. And so, and for whatever the reasons were, my wife and I both together, and we would have these conversations, did not need Imagine to exist in perpetuity in order for it to have the value and to be what it was. Yeah. We're like, that was yeah. 10 years. Like, you think about how much you guys both know. You go through leading and pastoring relationships, good, bad, lost, joy, all that. Like, that was 10 years and it was amazing. And this not continuing does not take away anything from the substance of what this was and the connections and the relationships or whatever it was. So we had this real great sense. It doesn't mean... It wasn't hard because loss and grief and death, but there just wasn't the resistance and the non-acceptance. We're talking about letting go. It wasn't present. I was keeping us stuck. And I'm really grateful for that. And now a word from a sponsor. The Gravity Podcast is sponsored by the Gravity Formation Course, a 12-month cohort-based training in practical spiritual formation, where you'll learn to notice how God is already at work in your life so you can participate more fully in the life God shares with us. It's a discipleship process that goes beyond just gaining more knowledge and trying some new practices. In the Gravity Formation Course, we go below the surface of our lives so we can notice and name our deepest desires in God's presence and discern how God is at work in those desires to lead us toward holistic flourishing. More transformation, more life, more joy, more love. We've trained hundreds of people from all over the world in this formation framework, and it has helped many to have a sense of God at work in their lives and learn to be more at home in God's love. If you'd like to learn more, Go to gravitycommons.com slash formation. All right, let's get back into our conversation. I think maybe sometimes why it's hard for me to let things go or to move on is because there's so much me in the thing that's, that yeah. is ending that I don't, I can't, it feels like I'm dying. 
Like mm. my ego or my identity is wrapped up in something. And so if that fails, I fail. You know, mm. if that ends, who am I? Right. Mm. And one of the things, Kevin, I hear you saying is that one of the the graces in your life was that you had a sense, even if it got complicated at times, you and your wife had a sense that, you know, Kevin and Christine are not imagined church. Mm. And and if it ends, uh, we we will manifest God's ministry another way. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I'm like, the structure can change of your life, but the substance remains the same. You know, the form will change, but the flow, the love, the grace, the compassion, the creativity, whatever I'm involved in will remain the same. And I just, I think in the kind of cultures that have been dominant for so long in these white evangelical CEO style type of churches, I'm like, I wasn't the person who wanted to create my own kingdom and be my own little Lord of it, which I think can be a temptation for many. Because imagine wasn't like that. We didn't have the kind of churchy people who come up after every sermon. They're like, great sermon, pastor. It's like, I'll preach and no one said a damn word to me for six months. You know, we didn't, yeah. I didn't have that kind of culture. So I was like, it kind of was like, we're just living our lives together. And I have this role, but I'm not like this figurehead of this massive thing also. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was different. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was that was my reflection, Matt. It was it was the same as yours. That I think there is a. I hear you uh, articulating, Kevin. Just just there's this there's this grace, uh, for whatever reason that you've had uh, to be able to, not over-identify with the projects you're involved in or the mm-hmm. institutions that you start or the you know, any any of those kinds of things that are they are very easy. I think for us to get wrapped up in. Um, you know, and that's a, there's a cultural aspect to that, but there's you know there's personal brokenness, right? That that feeds into that. That sometimes you know this is going to be how I prove that I'm worth something. You know, is that mm-hmm. this thing is going to get off the ground and be successful? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just clouds our ability, I think, sometimes to to see what uh, what love requires. You know, in, mm-hmm. in a moment um, to mm-hmm. be able to kind of make decisions and yeah, like we're talking about your book, like and sometimes that means letting go of things that um, we're, we're good. We're not just letting go of bad things, right? We, we totally. have to let go of good things or things that mm. served us for a season. Um, so, yeah. Well, maybe that maybe we can pivot then towards the, the topic of this book. So Ben and I were debriefing with our staff at our church about a major discernment we did this past year. We left our denomination and joined another one, Kevin. And... Mm. Um, it was basically the quadrants. We did an X, Y axis as we looked at things. Um, and the quadrants were um, things that uh, went well or bad was one axis. And then things in our control and outside of our control. Um, and the things outside of our control that went bad, um, the quadrant was named release. Like we have to release those mm. things. But I, I wanted it to say resent. <laughs> Because <laughs> you pushed pretty hard for that. <laughs> I did push pretty hard. Uh, thankfully, uh, thankfully, there's people more sanctified around me. But I, I say that just to say I've always had a hard time with letting go. Um, and I, I felt a little jaded as though it sounds so easy, right? You're just opening or releasing. Um, but I, maybe you can, maybe we can get into this book by just saying like, <laughs> how did this book come to be in your life, Kevin? And how did you decide that you had, how did you come to realize you had something to say about the goodness <clears throat> of letting go? 
Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things I say in the book is, you know, letting go is not one thing we do. Letting go is that which maintains the flow of everything we do. So it's not one thing we do alongside of everything else. It's the one thing that actually holds together everything else. That's why every chapter is a different topic. You know, compassion. What does letting go have to do with being compassionate? What does letting go have to do with being present? What does letting go have to do with working for justice? And to me, I've had this sense for a very long time when you ask that question, how did I know I had something to say was I'm like, you cannot do any one of these things well without understanding the art of forgiveness, acceptance and letting go. Oftentimes we relate forgiveness towards people. Acceptance is usually what we have to practice when it's related towards circumstances of our life. But it's the same (laughs) inner mechanism. It's the same muscles within in this inner journey that has to happen. And letting go is required for both of those. So that's the clarity you get from experience in doing things. Like, I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. I enjoy this. I don't like this. You just get that from doing things. And when it comes to leaders and people who I respect and admire and I think who are so faithful and do so many things better than me, my greatest gift is not saying, here's how to be more strategic. Here's how you implement X, Y, and Z, because I just read Tim Ferriss. Like, I don't know. I get lost in that stuff, to be honest. I was, you know, I joke around. I'm like, I was six years into leading a church and Googling before a meeting, what do I do in a meeting? (laughs) Like, cause I'm not wired like that. I'm like, but what I say, what my gift to people, what I offer to leaders, especially and people in general is to say, not here's how to make your ministry work. Here's how to actually help make your life work as you're doing all of these good things. Cause I want you to keep doing these good things. I just want you to experience the wholeness, the joy and the freedom for yourself as you're leading so many others towards that. That's like my heart, you know, for people. So when I say I'm like, there's so many times in life where I would see people frustrated, there's complexity in their life. It's this inner almost, you know, it's impossible to disentangle this knot. And I could just see to the heart of it and say, there's just something really hard you have to accept right now, which means there's something really painful you have to let go of. You thought life was supposed to go like this by 35 if you did this. And you know what? It didn't. And when you zoom out to a more universal level, you don't just have to accept that that didn't work out the way you wanted. You have to accept that is not how life works at a foundational level. But you have illusions wrapped up in a sense of security, a sense of making sense of life that helps give you a sense of comfort. That isn't how any of this works. And if you can accept that, if you can let go of the need of that, what I'm saying to everybody is there's always more life on the other side of that death, which I thought this was the whole story we were a part of as Christians. Letting go always involves death. Dying to something and letting go of something is the same thing. So I'm like, I thought this whole story is you trust the death all the way through because there's always resurrection. So that's why I talk about letting go so playfully, even though I know how gut-wrenching it is because I've experienced that death. And my my faith is based on me trusting that death and letting go, not on whatever metaphysical beliefs I'm supposed to have. So to me, I'm like, David Foster Wallace says, you know, everything I've ever let go of has claw marks on it. Mm-hmm. And what I say is it doesn't have to, though, because the <laughs> more you trust it, the more you know you're carried through to the other side. I'm in the like post church. I'm in the middle of a decade 
of giving myself to something right now and I'm facing a lot of uncertainty. Right. And it's okay because mm-hmm. I've been here before. I've let mm-hmm. go before. I've stepped over the edge of the threshold of the unknown before. And every single time it felt like an edge, the Spirit of God created a bridge to the future. That to me is why letting go is the, the hardest thing, the last thing we want, and yet the very thing that keeps leading us to a new future. And you know I don't get to preach that much anymore, so I got to take my little <laughs> one and a half minute yeah, chunks you. to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give my man some space, Ben. No, I, I, uh, I appreciate it. I, um, I appreciate a good, a, a good preaching too. Um, I, uh, I think one of the, I don't know if it's a trope, um, but I think one of the tropes of sort of letting go is that it's the same kind of thing as like, it's what people do when they stop caring, right? Um, mm. And so one of your you know, chapters, you talk about the relationship of letting go to justice. Mm. And so if we're going to take justice seriously, um, mm. and I think, you know, a lot of what, you know, Matt and I have been learning uh, lately um, about justice is just, you know, just like I, I like Cornell West's quote, you know, justice, I think it's Cornell West, justice is what mm. love looks like in public, that kind of thing. So, and yeah. oftentimes, you know, our efforts at um, implementing and advocating for justice require effort. They are frustrating sometimes. They require sort of standing in solidarity, putting our, line, putting our lives on the line, you know, um, in solidarity with, with marginalized peoples. I mean, all these kinds of things. How is, what does letting go have to do with pursuing justice? Um, and how is it not just sort of a, well, I don't know, you know, hopefully God will help those people, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to let go. You know what I mean? You, you know, do you get the gist of my question? How is this just how is it not, not just being passive and disengaging? Right. Totally. Saying like I don't, you know, I don't care. So, absolutely. No, I think working for justice is one of those things where when you start talking about letting go, especially in the book, I say the first thing we need to let go of while pursuing justice and working for change is the need for things to change. <laughs> you know, and that feels very counterintuitive to people. And one, I love that Cornell West quote, and I love Cornell West. I'm going to give you, I, I like flipped that quote because my next book is actually about Jesus. I had this thought a while ago. I was like, I just want to write a book about Jesus. And, you know, Cornel West says, justice is what love looks like in public. And in the book I say, Jesus is what God looks like in public. Yeah. It's the same incarnational dynamic, you know. Um, but yeah, how does letting, think about that, letting go of the need for things to change, letting go of the need for justice to happen is actually what is necessary for you to keep working for justice and working for change in order Mm. for you to keep doing it in a way that does not steal, rob you of your joy, leave you jaded, leave you resentful, and just leave you hopeless and pissed off all the time. And, Mm. you know, when speaking of the desire to see people around us change, like while letting go of the need for them to change, to think about on an individual level, Rohr says... Ironically, we are more than ever before in a position to change people, but we do not need to. And that makes all the difference. Mm. That to me is all the difference. That That is for an individual's, but when you zoom that out into a broader justice sense, it is the same dynamic. If I'm working for justice, so <clears throat> some version of making things right, where work things are off, things are wrong, things are not the way we believe that God intends, desires them, dreams them to be, however we say that. And we say we're going to work, protest, organize, raise awareness to make things right. But that's good. Work hard. There's ambition there. There's all these things. 
But if you and your ego need things and a social dynamics to be a particular shape in order for you to experience peace, Mm -hmm. you probably won't experience peace. Because the shape of reality you think it's supposed to be is probably not going to look exactly like that. That is where frustration sets in. That's where resentment sets in. It's not supposed to be like this. I'm working for it to be like this. And if, my, if I need things to be like this in order to be okay, I'm not going to be okay. I have just given away all my power, given away all my capacity to peace, to circumstances that I'm not able to control. That is not a recipe for joy and peace right there. But yeah. if... And this is the this is you know a part of the the paradox of this. If I can first before that, right? This this is also when we get to like the non-dual mind. If I can embrace reality for what it is, accept reality for what it's not, let go of my need for the shape of reality to be any different than what it is right now in order for me for me to be at peace, I'm beginning from a place of acceptance, from a place of embrace. That then that's the point. That doesn't lead to passivity now. Right. right. Some people think sure. that that's that's the danger of like the mystics and they're two in the heavens. You know, they're not grounded in reality. But once I embrace reality for what it is, I still see what's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. But Be- before reality is explained, it needs to be embraced. Before reality yeah. is labeled, it needs to be loved. That is what the non-dual mind does. But then after I take that into myself, I can still say that's not okay. That is wrong. Those people are not being treated right. Th- these people are not, ha- do not, this system is leveraged against this entire group of people. And I can now return to work for justice. But now I make this distinction in the book. I can work from a sense of compassion instead of compulsion. Compulsion yeah. is the ego saying, I need this to be this way or else I won't be okay. Compassion says, I'm going to be present, suffer along with you and work for it. But somehow, mysteriously, with grace, love, and acceptance, I can still maintain my joy even when that does not turn out the way I want. So it actually liberates us to be people of compassion when we're no longer working out of the compulsion of our ego and the need for us to win or for things to be the way we want. Yeah. 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 So I, I hear you naming there that, that this this is part of the non-dual mind um, idea, right? That the dual mind would think that if I'm going to, if I'm going to advocate for justice, it means I need to be constantly pissed off. And you mm. know what I mean? Like I'm going to, my life is miserable now. Um, and, or if I'm not going to, like I do it at the expense of my own, you know, moral integrity maybe, um, or something where it's like, I, I have to ignore what's wrong or pretend that it's right in order to feel mm. okay. But there's this non-dual aspect to it to say, no, I can be at peace and, you know, kind of advocate, advocate for justice. I think the other thing that, that I think that that does for us is it takes away perhaps some of the temptation um, to, to use illegitimate means for good ends um, mm. that I think sometimes, you know, uh, we can succumb to. If it is all about this result that I'm seeking, then mm. it, it becomes easy for me to take sort of moral shortcuts uh, mm. in the pursuit of that justice that I think mm. uh, needs to take place. But um, kind of staying grounded in the way that you're talking about, I think helps us to continue to, you know, do what, do what love requires in, you know, in every moment from a place of groundedness, from a place of peace. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's the, um, that's the, the, the mystery of like, 
it's something that isn't talked about a lot, but the humility and vulnerability of God to allow, to let things be, to give space, to not control processes. You know, that's one of the things that why I think I led for 10 years and never burned out was like, I just didn't have to control people's processes. I didn't, I didn't need people to be anywhere other than where they were for me to be okay. That's true for individual relationships, like the Roar quote, and that's true for societal and social things as well. That's the great, love invites us into that great thing of, I no longer need things to change for me to be okay. And yet in that very openness, love still drives me beyond the compulsions of my own ego or need to win or whatever it is to still work for change. And I think the illegitimate means stuff, and that's something for people who are working for justice and fighting or whatever it is, is like, to me also in that chapter, I say the second thing you need to let go of in order, if you want to keep working for justice is the need for power. In the, in the kind of power that is not shaped by the way of Jesus. You know, this grinding, grasping yeah. energy or this manipulative, by, by any means necessary kind of power. And I tell a story in the book, it's so funny, where, you know, when there's, there's the disciples are talking about power, like status and power, or who's going to do this? And Jesus, like, takes a little kid and he's like, this is, this is power. This is the kingdom mm-hmm. of God or whatever he says it, however he says it. And to me, I'm like, that's peak satire Jesus of like your grown men arguing about power and status. And Jesus grabs a child and is like, this is power, you know? And you're like, power? Like, how does that really work? You know, to me, Jesus is saying, do you really take any of that posturing and lame sense of status seeking seriously? And that I think the freedom of letting go of that is like, cause there is the temptation of like grinding. We'll just, we'll do, we'll mirror some of the tactics of our enemy to overcome our enemy. You know, the whole mirroring you're, you know, the people you're fighting against. And it's like, it's the ego's need to win. It's the ego's need to be in power that does that. If it's the freedom of love, it says, I will do this in a way that's shaped by the way of Jesus with the intentions of the kingdom of God. But like, that's not what we're doing here. And and that energy of like grasping for power so does not allow you to be at peace or have joy because it's a weird grinding, fighting against energy. Like I always return to that. It's the joy of letting go. Cause I'm like, we can keep, doing all the good, meaningful stuff we're doing and not sacrifice our ability to just enjoy all this. That's like, that's what I want to keep saying to people. And and it's not passivity. It is love beyond the insecure needs of your ego to have things the way it wants. You know, that's possible to me. We'll be right back. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to the show. This is why we make such a big deal about love at Gravity. This is why ben, the book that uh, Ben and I are going to write, probably you'll write three books in the time it takes us to write this one, Kevin. But it's on <laughs> God's love. there's two love. of us. There's two of us. We should, yeah, <laughs> should be twice as fast. It's not. Uh, let's close our church, Ben, then we can write more books. <laughs> yeah, maybe we have uh, that's a, Just on a practical level, you do have more time, I feel like. <laughs> But uh, this is this is we we often talk about the difference between staying away from something bad and consenting to something good. Mm. So staying away from controlling and clutching can't get us closer to love, mm. right? And I think that's where we get like passive. That's where letting go equals passivity or checking out. But what you're describing is uh, giving yourself over to something that enables and empowers letting go as a way of being. Mm. That it becomes a part of how you operate in the world. And the only thing that can do that is, is love, is what you're saying. Like being held by love lets mm. you hold or not hold things mm. in love too. Yeah. yeah? Mm. So I can't I can let go of this or not, depending upon mm. what love requires of me. Mm. Versus versus I can <clears throat> come hell or high water, I cannot let go of this hurt or this project, mm. right? Or the, mm. this thing. Mm. Yeah, the the for the, for the mystic, the foundation of our faith is not anything we hold on to, and it, it's just this deep experiential knowing that we're being held. That's not the same thing. My 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 found, foundation of my faith is not beliefs I hold on to. It doesn't mean I don't have any, but I'm like, whoever I am, whatever this capital I beyond my separate self is, this spacious I within this great larger you know sense of being. That this self is before, beneath, and beyond whatever beliefs I have. That's why beliefs can change. It's okay. You can evolve. Yeah. You can change. You, that those beliefs are not you. Like this is the when people are talking about growing, evolving, deconstructing, changing stages of consciousness or whatever. I'm like, on one level, the mystics like that's not that big a deal. It's okay. You know, it's like <laughs> so often because your ego relates to your beliefs as like as like. Your beliefs are the home for your ego. Ken Wilber says your belief system is like the home yeah. for your ego. So if you change yeah. your beliefs, you're changing the very structures that make me feel safe. So now it's like what you said before, Matt. It's like to let go and to change feels like I'm dying. Because my previous boundaried self is being threatened or challenged. And the mystic knows very early on with their experience, they were never over-identified in that same sense with those beliefs. That's why we can allow them to change so much, you know? And mm -hmm. I can keep whoever I am is before, beneath, and beyond my beliefs. Whoever I am is before, beneath, and beyond any roles I have. Those aren't us. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is. You know, those are that's what we're doing. That's how we're loving. That's the vehicle. I can you could choose fifty vehicles today to love the world. 
But whoever you are is not contingent upon whether I spend time with people who are living in the streets, you know, spend time listening to one friend. Those are all vehicles of love. And whoever I am is before that. You know, even this morning, it's because it's the morning for me. When I wake up and spend time in silence, I just, certain phrases will come to me that I'll sit with in that time. And it was just like, you begin with embrace. I am embraced by love. That's what this, that's what, that's, that's what this is. And that just yeah. enables me to return after that. I'm like, what, not what am I not doing, but out of my own creativity, freedom, ability to choose, how do I want to love and be present today? You know, you have that freedom to choose that. Yeah. There's, there's so many parts of this book, Kevin, where, first of all, your, your ability to like throw down quotes from a wide range of people is impressive, man. I, I want to know <laughs> what your system is of like, like gathering quotes. Cause I'll read a good quote and I'll tweet it out or something, but then it's gone. But you seem to have a like a Rolodex of incredible quotations from a wide, I mean, you just quoted Ken Wilber, you know, there's church fathers, there's psychologists, you know, there's, there's Roman Catholics. And it's just a, it's a beautiful, I think, bricolage of voices that mm. are all witnessing to the same reality. Yes. Um, maybe, maybe as we turn to close here, Kevin, the, the part of your book that we haven't really chatted about, but you just named a bit is the book is not called Letting Go. It's called The Joy of Letting Go. Can you speak a bit? Can you speak a bit to how joy is related to letting go? Mm. No matter how much it sucks or how painful it is or how much Matt wants to change, release, to resent, you know, no matter how much resistance there is within <laughs> us, whatever our version of that is. It's a confession. Well, we I was all, confessing here. <laughs> what we always discover on the other side of letting go is a new beginning. And in the book, I say, every time you let go, you begin again. And every time you begin again, a part of you is born again. Every time. I've never... <laughs> I've never once truly let go and allowed something to die and disidentified with something and been worse on the other side, ever. Because every time you do that, you're like, that which I was clinging on to was actually getting in the way. That which I was holding on to that I thought defined myself mysteriously was actually getting in the way of more of the truth of myself. So we let go and cling to things when it's only after the clinging were more to me that again that's the story i trust you know death and resurrection you know letting go and joy it's the same dynamic it's the same paradoxes every time i've ever died to something you think is impossible to live without like your ego relates to not having that as death and the thing is it is death it's just not a bad thing that's what our story's been telling us I'm like, it is death of what you thought was you and those boundaries you thought defined you actually were getting in the way of more of you and more of the spaciousness and a wider horizon of your being and more capacity to not react and be free and choose creatively in, in intense situations. Like it's all the it's that's what I love about, you know, the perennial tradition, the mystics drawing from all these sources is at the depths of reality, you are con consistently introduced to like, to me, what I see as the most beautiful paradoxes all the time. 
with everything you have nothing and in nothingness you discover everything you know it is actually in in death that you're going to find life you know it's in letting it's in letting go of the need for control which is actually always letting go of the the illusion that you're in control it's letting go of the need yeah. for control you actually feel the sense of security that you thought your ability to control was going to give you that's a paradox i see it's everywhere <laughs> all the time yes. so the joy of letting go is just another one of those things of that which your ego is clinging on to has those claw marks like David Foster Wallace says hmm. that yeah, which yeah. you are the most over identified with the most attached to that you feel is the most definitive of your sense of social self or whatever it is might just be the very thing where there's room to transcend disidentify let go move beyond and all of a sudden you're like I'm more free more joyful more light like life continues to feel lighter doesn't mean you yes. doesn't mean you deny the heaviness of life. It doesn't mean we're passive now going back to what we were saying. It's none of that. Like even the paradox, the more and more you take seriously the heaviness of life, the lighter it will feel. That's a paradox. Dude. I love it. It's everywhere, it you know? So it's always the joy. I want to tell people just what it, this, the faith for me, the teeth of this adventure and quest, you know, Joseph Campbell says, are you going to say yes to the adventure of your own life? And I think that's very real if we embrace it. Every time yeah. we do the letting go, I'm like, it's always better on the other side of that. That's just what I want to keep telling people, you know? Right. Right. After this, Matt's going to email you, Ben, and be like, you know what? Damn it. Just change resent to release. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I relent. These things. I release <laughs> the need to resent. Um, no, he's, a, he's he didn't move all he didn't move all the way from resent to release, but he did move to relent. That's in the middle. Relent, I relent. relent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will relent a little bit from my resent. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm working my way uh, towards release. Guys, I feel like it's a good step for me. Okay. Can you let's just Baby celebrate steps. this little it's step? Stages, it's, it's always in stages. Wins. It's always in stages. It's always That's steps. Right. That's right. Not all the ones. Yeah. The uh the book again is called The Joy of Letting Go, How One Thing Has the Power to Change Everything. Kevin, you mentioned you're working on a book about Jesus. Um, I'm curious, and, and we we uh, did mention your podcast, The Church Needs Therapy. Check that out if you haven't. Uh, I was a guest on there with Kevin a few months Come on ago. Now. Um, that Ben Kevin, didn't show up. Ben, I'm fine. I, know, I already practiced I, letting go. It is what it is. Yeah, We're friends practiced. today. Yeah. We joked about we joked about how we must have some sort of uh, unknown tiff that neither of us know about. It would have been of, uh, missing each other. It so. would have been our, like, you know, perfect if if Ben had been at therapy, and that's why he couldn't come well, to the church. Great. Therapy. Yeah, would have been well. I was literally <laughs> like, I took, what, I took the title so seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kev's just talking about it. I'm there. Are you Are you I'm doing the journey or just seeing it? Yeah. Actually, I want to I want to say before we get off the podcast for the listeners too. A friend of ours from California, we had like a few friends in town because they just ran the Honolulu Marathon. And yesterday we're at the beach with them, and one of them told me that the episode with the guy from Indianapolis, where she couldn't think of his name in the moment, was one of her favorite episodes. Oh, oh sweet! Is. That is your that is very so own Matt Tebby. So that yeah, is that was so little. cool. So cool. Uh, well, Kevin, what, what are you up to uh, these days? What are you, what, where's your vocation taking you now? Where, can we see, where, where will we be seeing you? Yeah. In the practical sense, you know, my own podcast, The Church Needs Therapy. Um, my second book, The Joy of Letting Go, comes out January 3rd with Choir Publishing. I don't know if you guys know that, but my wife and I do coaching with Dan and them at Caneo. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, Dan's new retreat center, Kaneo, the cohorts they do. So my, my wife's actually on the board there and she coaches mm-hmm. and I'm doing like I'm brought came on first as an apprentice coach right now. So I'm helping under somebody else coaching a cohort with them, which is great. I, I really I love Dan. And I think that's how we first met was like somehow through V3 Probably stuff through V3 yep. was all of us. Yeah. Yep. And <clears throat> so on the practical level, there's that's happening. I'm about to start writing my third book, which the the tentative title, not the subtitles, just the cosmic Christ and the concrete Jesus. Um, so, but you know, also to be totally honest, vocationally, I am in one of those post letting go liminal in between space times where you've said no to the old thing faithfully and are still allowing the next yes to emerge slowly without anxiously grabbing onto something i'm in another one of those a bit and it's not a small one it's a big one you know there's small <laughs> versions of that yeah. this is a decade long looking to the next decade so even as i talk about this book i'm in the middle of that and the joy of letting go is appropriate because while it's very serious and i have kids and we have you know we have our real right. practical life we can keep saying yes to the adventure joseph campbell invites us to because to me i'm like the embodiedness of Jesus showing us the Christ who holds all things together, I know just continues to hold me together on the other side of letting go of or dying to something every single time. So there's some uncertainty there, you know, for me. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. When I come on, yeah. talk about my next book in eight months, then I'll, maybe I'll know a slight a bit right, more. We're on a schedule now. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see you uh, late 2023. And uh, it was great. It was great to have you today, Kevin. Thanks for being with us. No, I appreciate you guys. You know what I didn't mention in that interview, Ben, mm. that the listener should be aware of is that Kevin has a, a writing style. He writes his books in a very conversational way. Mm-hmm. So you don't see any like long paragraphs from Kevin, right. uh, and you see a lot of like single sentence paragraphs. And I gotta say, um, this is the way I post on social media, even when I post longer things, and I really, really like it. Mm. Little Rob Bell kind of think, thing. That's Rob Bell was the first person I read that kind of wrote yeah, like that. Yeah, he did. And I, there's it does something different to how I'm. Uh, how I interact with the material, the mm. way it's written changes the way I appropriate what's written. And, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I appreciated that. Yeah, some people um, found some people found Rob Bell uh, doing that like the, it felt pretentious to them. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way to you. It feels conversational. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Um, that's interesting. Hey, real quick, I, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Did you? Oh, did you have a reflection you wanted to offer? Sorry. Oh, I was just, uh, I think, I I think his, I I appreciated his uh, reflections on like justice and, you know, kind of the non-dual mind and all that kind of thing. Because I I think it's something that I'm, I think a lot about, actually. Um, Just the difference that it makes to sort of uh, be fully engaged in the work of justice, advocating for justice, but from a place of grounded, like, like contemplation and justice together, I think. I, I just think about that a lot. I don't have a profound mm. thought about it. Um, so anyway, I'm always glad for somebody who's thinking about that, writing about that. Um, just because I think it's uh, there's something about it that is 
uh, helpful and uh, necessary um, yeah. for us right now. So, yeah. Um, hey, uh, this, this makes for great podcasting. Ready? Uh, when is this podcast coming out? This podcast that we just mm-hmm. recorded? Yeah. What yeah, date? I don't know. Actually, sometime in the new year, I'd have to look at our editorial calendar. Well, we're recording what this before the new year. We are. I, this is before I'm, Christmas. I'm curious if you, uh, we can talk about this. Uh-huh. What, uh, what did you, uh, what have you gotten your wife, Deb, for Christmas? Um, we are getting each other. We're sort of, uh, we're, we're weird gift givers. Like we don't really, I don't know if gift giving is like, it's not really a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we just decided to give each other a new bed frame. <laughs> so we're just sort of buying something that we need for the house. Because, uh, because you wore the old one out? Is that <laughs> Something it? like that. Okay. We do a lot of sleeping. And so, uh, <laughs> and, and we square dance on our mattress. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a stinky tradition. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I, that, that's it. It's sort of like, it's not the thing I have to get for my wife though, is like st- stocking stuffers. Um, yeah. and that's the thing that I always find. It's always hard for me to like, keep that in a, like something that would be nice to get in the stocking that also you know, isn't like a hundred dollars, like something yeah. I got to stay within this budget. I find that deeply challenging every single year. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I think some couples are like, you have to outdo yourself every year with a gift Yeah, and, it's like a, um, yeah, yeah, and you really have to be creative. Oh, we are um, not like that. Oh. Uh, I think, I don't think Christy's like that all the way, but I think she's really good at getting gifts. Really she, good at thinking up things. She wasn't with us today, true. but she's really good at that. Um, is, and yeah. I think Sharon and I are much more like you and Deb. Mm. Um, but I did get I did get Sharon uh, some new beads for her abacus. <laughs> I'm sure she appreciated that. That's what she uses in her work as an accountant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's a little things account. <laughs> That's funny. I think it's funny because uh, Chris, it's too bad Christy wasn't here to hear that one, right? I told her, she's, her when she listens to this podcast, she'd be like, yeah. oh, that is so creative. That is such a good gift for an accountant. Yeah. And then, and then like three seconds later, mm-hmm. start laughing. Well, Christy, if you are listening to this, um, record yourself <laughs> laughing. We'll, we'll attach it to the podcast later. Uh, we'll attach all right. it in post. All right. In right. post, right. Mm-hmm. We'll produce it. Anywho. All right. Well, oh, listeners, hey, hey Ben, have week. a good day. All right. Yeah, Matt, you too. Listener, you guys yeah. have good days too. Treat yourself, listener. Go ahead and have a good day. Don't feel, don't feel, maybe you could let go of something. Hmm. Like Kevin said, peace, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Joining our Gravity community is free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the podcast, and you can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start record button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.